My name is Victoria. I come from Ghanaian parents and grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. I'm a painter turned entrepreneur on a mission to empower Black women to step into their genius and make an impact. I have a vision for creative women to feel confident and powerful and let go of all the limiting beliefs holding us back from going all out and showing up. I'm also the founder of the Kindred Creatives Collective, where I host dinners and retreats to hold space for Black women to prioritize self-care, build a tribe, and feel inspired. I want a world where Black women artists are celebrated, valued, and paid more. My goal for this podcast is to help women of color build sustainable and purpose-driven practices. Every week, I'll chat with a boss who's making bold moves in her industry as a creative entrepreneur. After hanging out with us, you'll feel empowered to build your own creative empire. Now let's start the show. Thank you so much for coming on and being on the podcast today. I'm so excited to talk to you and learn more about your journey and your experience as a creative. So we're going to jump right in. So I always love to ask this question because I am obsessed with storytelling and I love to know people's beginnings, how they started. So Mm -hmm. I'm really curious to know, how did you begin this journey as an artist? What is your first memory of being an artist? Um, In high school, I, uh, I took a, we had like an elective course that we needed to take. And I took a dance class and one of, and they had someone come in from a theater company in DC to do like a competition, like a theater writing competition um, for the DMV area. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I made the top 10 for that. And so, um, so they give you your own actors and you get to direct it and just like go in and that was the first time where I felt like I had agency, like, mm-hmm. um, or like, you know, describe myself as an artist in that way. Um, yeah. You know? And was your family all for it? Did they love that you were an artist or they were confused about what was going on? <laughs> I think they, I think it was, it wasn't unexpected. I think they always like described me as like kind of strange. <laughs> so, um, and and then um, my family, they're we're artistic people, so it okay. was pretty accepting. Yeah. Good, yes, yes. <laughs> that always yeah. helps because it's already kind of like an odd experience for a lot of people because they don't know. I know for me, I didn't know any artists growing up. So mm-hmm. when I was telling my people, my family, that you know, when they saw that there was some creativity there, they're just like, "Oh, she just likes to draw. It's nothing serious." I yeah. didn't know anyone who was like, this could actually be like a career, like let her, you know, grow this. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's awesome that you had that support system in your family from the beginning. Yeah, I really, I'm grateful for that too. Very cool. Yeah. And so after a while you decided to continue and what happened next? Continue your art. Um, after that, um, another thing, uh, during high school, uh, I got it put in charge to do the video yearbook because we didn't have books. Mm-hmm. And so I really got into 
video using Final Cut Pro. Um, I guess that was 2004. And so it was like the old bubble <laughs> match. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so I was really into, into that experience. And, um, but I, and I was really interested in media and uh, TV and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, being the only child, you know, I watched a lot of TV. <laughs> um, and so I applied to the, for the media program um, at the new school and ended up going there to kind of study more so, like looking at art from a standpoint of kind of studying it from the outside more so than actually making. Mm -hmm. But um, at the time, all of my roommates went to Parsons and they were like up all night doing these projects. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, I want to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but instead of transferring like into a, a more artistic program in New York, it just it was very expensive there. Mm -hmm. I was dealing with a lot of anxiety, so I decided to move back home. Um, my family's in D.C., um, but when I went to school, you could go to if you're a D.C. resident resident, you could attend any public university uh, using in-state tuition. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I uh, went to University College Park, um, which was around the corner from, you know, not too far from my house, and um, did studio art there. And so I got really, uh, so like hands-on, I was really into uh, painting and drawing and um, kind of like, uh, they had a really good casting program, so I made a lot of metal sculptures. Mm -hmm. But um, iron casting, uh, I worked close with um, Jefferson Pender when I started doing stop motion animation in my senior year, as well as um, Margot Humphrey. She really pushed me to kind of like draw more and kind of like using my own style. And she would always say like, you know, people are going to challenge you and say you need to use all these like technical ways of making but mm -hmm. you know but kind of like she really taught me pushed me to kind of like believe in like my own style so that was mm -hmm. really helpful mm -hmm. yeah that's cool because i see how your work has really is today is very interdisciplinary and it sounds like your exploration of medium started at a very early stage in your career as an artist mm -hmm. so i'm curious you work with, now you work with a variety of disciplines. You work with, you do performance, you use sound, you use video, you incorporate a lot of writing. Mm -hmm. Is there a common thread for all of the different mediums? Do you see them as separate or do you see them as weaving together? Uh, I, I tend to see things as weaving it together, but I do think that I come from a standpoint of writing um, like even when I'm making and maybe I'm not writing something out on a page, I still like am thinking of a story in my head um, mm -hmm. or like I see the words in my head, but maybe I want to um, just to make a video that's visuals and sound without my voice, but just writing in a different, I, I find each medium to just be writing in a different way, at least for me, mm. um, and thinking about storytelling. Um, I really like 
I think the video and performance specifically are two mediums where I get to integrate a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. uh, like, so for video, I can use sound. Um, if I'm doing animation, I can um, draw or and, and do and color and make sets and things like that. And so kind of using my hand and creating the video and with performance, which can also live in video too, mm -hmm. um, using my writing to, and, and then kind of using my own body within this space um, that can either be ephemeral or if it's in video kind of time-based and more structured in that way. But I think those two mediums uh, really encapsulates all the different methods the most for me. Yes, and I, I can see that. I was, I had the absolute honor to see one of your pieces. It was actually a interdisciplinary live performance on the beach on 71st, I think, beach or 61st beach yeah, um, yeah. called Floats. Mm -hmm. And that was amazing to see because it was very like emotional for me. The topic yeah. was obviously heavy, but it was also very like spiritual and awakening for me. Mm -hmm. It was this very meditative, like somber yet like, I don't know, invigorating mu music along yeah. with the people actually going into the water and the interconnection. And I know that was around, you know, a bigger historical event, but mm -hmm. I do see a lot of your work incorporating water and the interdisciplinary um, sound and music and writing. I think that's, that's super interesting to me. Would you say that's a common theme in your work, water? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really, just think about, I mean, I've been working on a project, Black Water and also Vega, which both talks about kind of mm -hmm. the different ways water spiritually um, has been a part of Black people's lives. Um, and also thinking about mm -hmm. access to swimming pools as well as um, beaches, how that was limited at least in um, mm. in the in the states, and um, and also water contamination, which uh, I've dealt mm -hmm. with. Uh, I grew up in my grandma's home in Chevron uh, gas station. Uh, they had a gas leak that went into uh, the groundwater, and because mm -hmm. and it was like right over the border. So I live on the D.C. side of a uh, the D.C. Maryland border, and because they were on the Maryland side, they didn't tell the D.C. neighborhood because, like, technically, they felt like they didn't have to. Okay. Um, yeah, but yeah, and so it went on for I think I think it was like eleven years until they until we found out that's what was happening. Wow. And um, the people closest to it all suffered from cancer. One family uh, that we went to church with, um, the daughter, she died of leukemia when I was young. I think I was probably uh, 10. And then subsequently, like her aunt died and her grandmother. Oh my like, goodness. And so we were further. And then like, even on my block, mostly all the people who passed um, have mm -hmm. been from cancer, but 
at that point, you can't really prove that, that it was mm. the groundwater uh, because time has just passed by mm. so much. And, um, and so we ended up, take, my grandma took a settlement um, in, which wasn't enough for uh, the suffering and just like being lied to about being poisoned. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, yeah. Those are people's lives. Mm-hmm. You can't put a price on that. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, really, hmm. I've been thinking about, but also I grew up fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was in a long-term relationship for 20 years until um, he passed away. But he took, he took us fishing, uh, myself, his son, and my mom. Uh, at the Chop Tank River, and so okay. that was like, like being connected to water in that way uh, was. I really like. I still like. I'm trying to figure out how to go fishing today. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, I've never been fishing, but yeah, I love that because that's a personal. Um, resonance for you water but it also has a very historical you know space for black people specifically you know the slave passage from just like some black people not knowing how to swim to like mm-hmm. drowning and all of that it's it's a very like loaded um subject matter but i, I think it's also very like spiritual and awakening as far as like mm-hmm. baptism baptism and all of those other spiritual elements concern so I think it's beautiful it adds like a, a nice layer to your work that I, I always love to see and it's, it's always interesting to see those kind of threads happening in artists mm-hmm. work so oh, yeah. super cool super Thank super cool you. yes so talking about your work and you know kind of how it has evolved and shifted over the, the, the time, but also still maintaining all these different practices and weaving it together and working with different artists along the way. I'm curious to know, um, is there a specific kind of creative work or project that you've been gravitating towards lately that really has been calling you, especially in this time where right in the middle of a pandemic and all the police brutality and killing and all of the social unrest. I'm curious, has that impacted your work? Um, and if so, how? Um, I know your work has a lot to do with Blackness, so yeah. <laughs> which I love. It has, you know, I kind of took a, when the um, pandemic happened, I kind of took a pause and then I was teaching mm-hmm. too, so a lot of my energy was going towards that. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I've been working on uh, a sci-fi story that takes mm. place uh, roughly a hundred years from now um, about basically the planet being no longer habitable because of um, water rising up and basically consuming Earth. And mm-hmm. so um, at the time, so in the story, the government is a global institution and um okay and they they have a mission to board people of like higher class status on i'm trying to think <laughs> like a mechanism or some kind of ship like a spaceship is in okay got you um but this this ship will be orbiting a black hole until they find a more permanent place to live but meanwhile people will be left 
behind and you know speaking specifically to black people and, and people of color and so they're trying to figure out a way with scientists who are also working for the government who are like working undercover with revolutionaries to find a way to live and, and uh, exist in deep ocean hmm. and so i think when the pandemic hit and a lot of black people were being affected Mm-hmm. I thought a lot about um, even the timing, like a hundred years from now, like a hundred years ago from now, you know, there were the race riots in 1919 mm-hmm. and there was also the Spanish flu. And so it seems like in a century's time, like how things uh, have changed, it seems like a pattern, you know, and yeah, yeah. And then the, with the uprisings happening, um, you know, I've been really thinking about historical patterns and I kind of put vague on a hold. I've been uh, drawing more um, kind of in relation mm-hmm. to Vega, but also like um, in thinking about history and uh, drawing images from that and then kind of like writing a diary that goes with that drawing. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think artistically, that's where I'm at now. Um, and I feel like for, for me, it's, that's a personal experience. It's not like something I'm doing right show or anything, but just a meditative way to kind of like take a time, a break to like turn the news off and, um, and just kind of draw things out and look to history and think about the future, but also like being present as much as mm-hmm. possible. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. and I love to draw in that way because it it makes you not really think about anything and just be in the moment, be present. Yeah. So I get that, having that moment for yourself because there's so much going on. It's really important to take care of ourselves and find that Mm -hmm. space. So very cool. Yeah. I'm curious for just thinking about, you know, your wellness and balancing your state of mind and also with your art practice it sounds like you're using drawing and writing to kind of help as a self-care practice Mm -hmm. but are there other methods you use for self-care or wellness just for like your everyday life as an artist um i go for long walks i have a dog batman and so i take him with me batman (laughs) i love that name (laughs) yeah what type of dog is it He's a Chihuahua uh, miniature pincher mix. A oh, little toy dog, <laughs> about eight pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, long walks are helpful. Um, calling my fam, you know, my family, uh, they're in DC. And so mm-hmm. um, I've been really grateful for technology and being able to <laughs> video call and see my grandma and my mom and aunt. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that's been really helpful. Um, in the beginning, I was exercising. Um, you know, I kind of fall back and forth with that. I feel like I, I, I like to play sports, which is hard to do now. <laughs> like, um, you know, I have yeah. a friend, uh, neighbor down the street. We would play basketball. So now it's, that's kind of a contact sport. So I'm like, I got to find something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Might want to pause on that. <laughs> yeah. I, I did get a, I panicked 
um, in early March when I was like, oh, I should get a bike in case like everything shuts down. So I have a bike. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been biking from time to time. That's cool. Yeah. And then I pray uh, to um, my ancestors. I talk to them a lot. So mm. that's been helpful. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm going to steal some of that. especially biking Mm -hmm. i've been like trying to bike more i think it's my sister has a bike so i've been like trying to steal her bike and go out every now and then Mm -hmm. so just just be a little bit more active because it does help you know it does yeah it really does you have a lot of good ones though (laughs) okay so i know that from just learning a little more about you, reading about your work. Mm-hmm. A lot of your work is surrounded around stories, histories you want to share about the people that not in. And I'm curious, would you say, what drives your work, would you say? I think in thinking about history and telling stories. Yeah, mm-hmm. story, story t- thinking about history history, uh, my own family's history, and I think about migration a lot. Mm-hmm. And just kind of, yeah, kind of like retelling that story so we're not forgetting. You know, I think that there's like this uh, political and culture amnesia where I feel like, you know, now things are being waking up and resurfacing, which, which I feel really grateful for. But yeah, really, Think about the stories my grandma tells me that my grandpa told me before he passed. We're able to trace an ancestor to a plantation in Edgefield County, and that's the furthest back we can go. And the only reason why he's documented is because his slave master died. And so he was technically free uh, for a couple of days before they put his name on another, um, on the master's cousin's. Oh, I see. You know, um, and so just kind of really like, you know, I think I think about my family a lot when I'm telling these stories because it's not just about my family. It's about thinking about Black people globally and uh, the diaspora, and you know, we're everywhere, and (laughs) and I think that yeah, it's kind of like that. That feels like telling the story of that family and and keeping that so those stories don't remain silent and and kind of like you know in this black and white narrative of like we had this and then we're here now but everything is so back and forth yeah i agree i think it's so important for us to tell our own stories and share them and retell them so they're not forgotten because history has a way of you know being shown by those who have who want their stories to be told and who have more power and and can kind of shift the narrative so i think it's right. so valuable to incorporate that in your work and to just like share about who you are and where you come from i i love that mm-hmm. i love storytelling i said that earlier but yeah. it always kind of draws me in to understand the history behind people and also like where they come from what they're about what they're doing so I think that's super valuable and so important to share. Thank you for your work. 
<laughs> okay, so we're going to shift a little bit because I'm, I want to talk more about your experience as a Black woman creative, as an artist, and mm -hmm. how you're navigating that space in Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, you have um, been successful. You've won quite a few awards, three arts. You've you just won the 2020 Sparks grant. Congrats, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. And you, you have, you know, your co-founder for F4F and Beauty mm -hmm. Breaks, and you're very involved in the Chicago art scene. I'm curious how, how you navigated that space, how it feels for you. Do you feel like it's accessible for artists in Chicago? I feel like, I feel very privileged um, because, you know, the reason why I moved to Chicago was to attend uh, the School of the Art Institute. And, um, and, you know, meeting people there and then having access to resources um, mm -hmm. there, I think, was really helpful um, in just connecting me to opportunities that I feel like I wouldn't have had without that. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I have, you know, that's one thing that I can say that I know that, you know, is a privilege for me. Um, and, and then, and just, and I was lucky to connect with other Black artists there, you know, um, and that's where, you know, I met Amina Ross, who was the main founder for Beauty Breaks and um, and then we a few of us did F for F together in Little Village and um, and so just kind of really you know creating a network of pe of like having a family in Chicago um, mm -hmm. that I, yeah and creating that it was definitely hard for, even with SAIC after I graduated um, you know I was <laughs> I was pretty poor you know I, I didn't know oftentimes if I was going to be able to pay rent um, it was really hard to find work um, and without the family that I had here you know there were times where people were like you know feeding me or I was crashing mm -hmm. I had a crazy roommate experience um, and ended up crashing on the couch for months, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so like, it definitely was a struggle. And I thought it even about moving um, back to DC and, you know, who knows what would have happened mm -hmm. if I did that, you know, not to say that things would have been better or worse either way. Um, right. But yeah. But it'll think, be different for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think um, you know, teaching and working with young people has always been something I've been interested in. And so I think um, teaching in Chicago kind of went hand in hand with my practice in a lot of ways. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I was able to, like, if I'm going to teach someone how to do something, I need to know how to do it too. Um, right. So I think, <laughs> So that kind of like helps um, like skill wise, but also connecting with young people and um, building community with um, 
North Lawndale and Austin through um, the Parks District. You know, that, mm -hmm. you know, it's been really um, a great experience for me in that way. I don't know. I, I think I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Okay. I think it, it really, what I heard is it comes down to community. You were able to build relationships mm -hmm. and people were able to kind of open um, doors for you through those relationships and you were able to learn about new opportunities. Yeah. So I think, you know, community is so important, but as an artist, it's it's crucial because mm -hmm. that's that's how that's how we learn and we grow and we prosper so yeah mm -hmm. i'm curious what you think is your key factor for success what do you think was like the key factor for you to thrive at this point in your career i do think it was community definitely mm -hmm. just being able to like collaborate with yeah. people my dad passed back in 2018 and, and I felt, I really, I think that's what really was like, you know what, Chicago is my second home because people like, you know, like the artist community helped me financially with burying my father and, and I'll never forget that. And, you know, um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that always, I mean, that will stay with me forever. That's so dope. <laughs> As artists, I think community makes you recognize that even when you're not making art or maybe, you know, you're dealing with rejections or you just maybe mm -hmm. don't feel like it, that yeah. you're, you're still thriving. You know, you don't, you still have your family around you, people around you who love you. And, yeah. um, and so I think that's really important. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's helps <laughs> yeah. me a lot. I know. For me, I get energy from being around like my people, my family, or like close friends, and it inspires me. So I feel you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would love to give you an opportunity to talk about any projects you're working on, anything you want to kind of share with the audience um, to promote you and your work, anything coming up for you or your website or anything like that. I'm collaborating now to do. A quarantine. Well, I, don't, I guess it's not quarantine anymore, but one of the. We're, yeah, we're still kind of in it. <laughs> <laughs> the concert at um, Experimental Sound Station it will mm -hmm. be coming up in late July. Right now, I'm collaborating with uh, Jared Brown, Amina Ross, and Ashley Teamer in New Orleans. So that should be coming out. I don't have the exact date yet, but that would be probably like the one of the first things that I'm doing yeah. publicly in a while. Yeah, and I've been uh, writing a lot, so I'm hoping to have that work come out. It, it'll be my first time kind of like writing something publicly that's not nonfiction and talk in, mm -hmm. in relationship to the uprisings and police brutality, mm -hmm. but kind of talking about, you know, as Black people, you know, are scared for their lives to just walking out the door that absolutely through, yeah, through white supremacy and that we all face kind of, or that we're all, you know, encountering kind of this slow death, it, even if it's not just personal, that we know someone else who's been affected mm. by that. And that could be like what I was talking about earlier with 
thinking about water contamination or access mm -hmm. to health care or housing and kind of how these things are set up, you know, between, you know, there's immediate violence that happens in which we witness, but there's also like this slow violence that continues to happen. And so mm -hmm. I've been trying to write, write about that. Um, yeah. Yes. We're, I'm excited to see that because that's, I always say that artists are so instrumental in this time because they're able to capture the moment and share it, you know, through their mm -hmm. practice, through writing, through painting, through photography, through whatever medium they use. And so, yes, I, that's why I promote uh, artists and specifically Black women, you know, and creatives who are just out there trying and doing their thing, but also, you know, factoring all the different factors and, um, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's super important and I, I appreciate everything that you do. Um, I think that as creatives, we have to kind of stick together and support each other and uplift each other and promote each other. And so that's what I'm here for. Thank you so much, AJ. Thank I you, Victoria. You. <laughs> and we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much. Thank of course. Taking this time. Yeah. Yes. See you next week, same day, same time. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And send me a comment if you really like this one. And remember to uplift and support another woman creative today. Always remember to embrace your creative genius.